Hi, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to Eporibus Cast. October 31st, 2019, and that means it's Halloween. We're not going to talk about Halloween today, but I certainly wish you and your family a happy and healthy one. Be safe. Make sure you're out with the kids. Make sure you're checking the candy and make sure you have some fun. But today also marks the final day of October, and that means the final day of the month of breast cancer awareness. So I thought that it would be very important that we do a show devoted to breast cancer information, uh, affirmation. And I have a great guest for you today, and I'll get to introducing her in a moment. But I wanted to give you a few facts. You know, if you haven't had your mammogram yet, that's the most important thing I can say to you. Early detection saves lives. So please, if you haven't had your mammogram, we're 10 months into the year 2019. You should have had one by now, but it's not too late. Make sure that you do that. If you have daughters that are college age and older, make sure that they are getting their breast checked regularly, doing self-exams. All of this is very important. And we're going to dig into all this, but let me just give you a few statistics that really, for me, uh, were, they are, I don't have the right words. I think that we see the pink, we see the hats, we see the marches, we participate. Every woman I know has been touched by breast cancer in her own family, if not herself. I lost my paternal grandmother to breast cancer. She lost her mother to breast cancer. So I've always had to be diligent since I was a young woman in making sure that I don't develop breast cancer. And thank God I've been blessed so far and I'm grateful for that. But I know that many of you have lost loved ones, you've lost friends. This disease is brutal. It takes lives, but women are winning. They're fighting back like a girl and they're doing amazing things despite the awful scourge of breast cancer. Let me just give you a few facts. One in eight women, one in eight women in the United States will develop breast cancer in her lifetime. In 2019, an estimated 268,600 new cases of invasive breast cancer will be diagnosed in women in the United States alone, as well as 62,930 non-invasive cases just this year. Think about those numbers. That's astounding. 62% of breast cancer cases are diagnosed at a localized stage for which the five-year survival rate is 99%. Again, that's the great news. If you're doing your breast exams, if you know your body, if you're getting your mammograms and you get breast cancer and it's detected early, you can beat this thing. I can go on and on and on with statistics, but instead of doing that, I will refer you to the Susan Komen site, of course. We can go to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And of course, my guest has her own organization that I'll let her tell you about in a moment. But let me bring Tanya Thompson into this discussion. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about her. And she's a good friend of mine. Uh, she's an amazing woman uh, in her own right. She's had an amazing life so far. Tanya is an Air Force veteran. She's a wife, a mom. She's an entrepreneur. She's a new author. And she is also a two-time breast cancer survivor. She helps individuals in being their own best health advocate, in educating them about treatment options, early detection, and through outreach. 
When Tanya was diagnosed with breast cancer the first time, she kept it a secret, especially since she was in the military and didn't want to be seen as less than capable and she didn't want to be perceived as a victim. Think about that for a moment. Here's a woman that had breast cancer and was afraid to talk about it. Now, of course, at the time, Tanya and I are age cohorts. We're in our 50s. And so I know that it is, um, we we were coming through at a different time. I'm hoping that's not the case for young women now, but I'll get into that with Tanya in a moment. At the five-year mark, she found a lump on her left breast. And this time it was invasive breast cancer. So what does that mean? It means the first time she found it, it wasn't invasive. The second time it was. In her search for what she calls the real, she found it difficult to find pictures to help her understand her diagnosis, treatment of care, and what to face next. That is why she wrote the book, What to Expect When You Weren't Expecting Breast Cancer. It's her journal via her real life experiences in full color, raw, undoctored photos of her breast cancer journey. She wants others to see from the lens of an actual patient that there is life with, within, outside of breast cancer, as long as you have the right information and perspective of your cancer type. Tanya is also the CEO and founder of Breast Cancer Move Foundation, a nonprofit 501c3 helping military veterans, caregivers, other uniform services move from the tragic diagnoses of the disease, breast cancer, into light and into triumph. I love that. And as I mentioned, Tanya has a new book that I want all of my listeners to go and pick up. You can get it on Shopify. Again, that title is What to Expect When You Weren't Expecting Breast Cancer. And it also will be on Amazon soon, so make sure you're checking. So with all of that introduction, with all of that information, I am delighted to bring on my friend, my sister, Tanya Thompson. Tanya, how you doing? Tanya, you there? Tanya. Not sure what happened. Yes. All right, I'm here. Okay. She must have been on mute. That's okay. (laughs) How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Thank you for that great introduction. I was listening intensively um, of all the things that you were talking about and the statistics that you were sharing. I think a lot of women are not aware one of the statistics and that early detection is the key and getting those annual checkups will actually save your life. You know, um, as I mentioned, I lost my paternal grandmother who was my beloved. I dedicated the woman code to her and, uh, she lost her mother so uh, to breast cancer as well. And I remember one of the things that she talked about often when I was a girl, because my grandmother, my great grandmother had died by the time I was born. And I remember my grandmother talking about how awful women were when they had breast cancer in the 40s, uh, you know, or 50s. They had pretty brutal treatments still. Um, and they just, Mm -hmm. these women didn't have very good treatment options, as you can imagine. There was no chemo, there was no radiation yet. And it was, uh, in some ways barbaric, for lack of a better word, what they did, uh, to them to try to save them, uh, by cutting Mm -hmm. them. 
And I remember it terrified her, you know, being a young woman, seeing her mother go through that and then losing her mother and then being diagnosed herself later in life. Um, and I remember when it came time for treatment, uh, Tanya, she wouldn't do the chemo. She wouldn't do anything. She just, she was so terrified, I think, of what she saw as a young woman and how women were uh, handled with this disease uh, that she just, she didn't want to fight it. She just kind of wanted to live out the rest of her days and be with her family and that was it. And so um, one of the first questions I'd like to ask you, um, you're a two-time breast cancer survivor. That's pretty profound. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, give us the age you were when you first found out, where you were in your life and just kind of what made you check or how'd you find out you had breast cancer? You know, what's interesting about that, I found out was, so let me just go back. In 2003, I had my baseline mammogram. And at that time, it was totally clear. I received a clean bill of health. 14, 15 months later, I was having pain in my left breast. As I go to the doctor, just thinking that maybe I was tired, she said, you know what, since you're active duty, since you're military, even though you just had one a little bit over a year ago, let's get checked again. That was the turn of what I call the change of my life. At that time, I found out that I had ductal carcinoma in site two, and it was throughout both of my breasts. Stop there a moment it, because I wanted to make sure that everybody heard what you said. There was a bit of a, a technical bounce there. You said ductal, okay. ductal, ductal carcinoma in site two. So that means it was in the ducts of the breast. It was in the ducts of the breast, and that was of the right breast. And it wasn't until I had the biopsy that I found that we found out that it was invasive in the left breast. And I like when I describe, because most people, when most people think about breast cancer, they think about it being localized in one area. I use the analogy that mine was like a buckshot, meaning that it was ravaged throughout both of my breasts in less than a 15 month period of time. Now stop there, let's pause because this is important. Yes. I think that what will really be helpful to uh, our listeners is, mm -hmm. and we have women listening all over the world to this podcast, what you had pain, so that was your first kind of clue that, hey, you know, something's wrong? Yes. Did you have any other symptoms? And that's it. No other symptoms whatsoever. And breast cancer and pain are not associated together. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the doctor, she truly honestly just sent me because I was because it was in the breast. Not that she thought I had breast cancer because I had just had my baseline mammogram. And at that time, I was probably about 42 years old. Mm. Now, what's interesting and what's scary at the same time, right? Scary is more word is and ladies and gentlemen, too, let us not forget men can get breast cancer. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But ladies, 
listen to what she said. She had a mammogram and she had a clean bill of health. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until you started to have pain that you knew something was wrong. Now, can they explain how in the heck did you get a clean mammogram and have all this going on? What happened? Truly, honestly, when I, it's a couple of things. One, I truly believe that mine was environmental. And what I mean by that, being active duty, being military, uniform service members, and what I mean uniform service members, I mean police officers as well as firefighters. We are often put in situations where we have to go into places or we are in locations that where we are breathing toxins we are breathing or in places where there are potential like asbestos or chemicals and i truly believe the place where i was stationed that building had just been vacated by another organization and they vacated that building because it had asbestos and was also ironic in which lends me to believe that it was environmental is because two to three other women at the very same time we all came was diagnosed with breast cancer at the same time and I didn't even know these women other than that we all worked on the same floor or within a couple of floors from each other well you know um again um that's pretty powerful. So it, it lets us know that we can have a baseline mammogram and be clean and still find ourselves with cancer. Uh, within what did yours was in a 15 month, you said period? I would say, I believe the initial diet, I think my baseline was in November or December. And then in 2003 I think it was I don't know exact dates I just know that was the like a 14 month period of time and then that April of like that following year not the next year but like a year 15 or so months later is when they I start having the pain and went in and to see a doctor so you're right usually uh when we have pain that means that the cancer has been there for a minute it's it's and it was with you correct yes yeah so let me let me let me give a few more statistics here to our listeners because not only do i want to have this important dialogue but i want to keep giving you information an estimated 2670 men will be diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019 in the united states alone and approximately 500 of that number will die now, the numbers for women are far greater. An estimated 41,000 women, 41,000 women out of that 250-some thousand number I gave you earlier, women will die from breast cancer in the U.S. That's a pretty dramatic rate. And though rare, men get breast cancer too. The lifetime risk for U.S. men is about 1 in 1,000. And women, it's 1 in 8. Um, Breast cancer is the most common cancer in American women, except for skin cancers. There are over 3.5 million breast cancer survivors in the United States, of which our guest, Tanya Thompson, is one. And on average, every two minutes, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer in the U.S. Those statistics just are profound. Um, Tanya, how are we doing um, in science and in medicine with, with curing breast cancer? Are we making progress? 
I would say yes, and it's because of the technology. Now, of course, when I when I was diagnosed, they didn't even have the BRAC, where there where the gene there's a gene mutation to determine if you have if you're positive to potentially get breast cancer again. Now they have 3D imaging, four three two D three D, and I believe. Um, now they have uh, like proton different imagings that women can get so that they can even define it even more so. And when you know, I came, ladies, go ahead, I'm sorry, finish your thought. So when I, when I was diagnosed, they didn't have those type of in, imaging. Right. Only right. thing they had was mammograms. Right. Now, ladies, this is important because with the new healthcare changes that came in, you get a healthy woman visit and uh, your insurance will pay for that mammogram. So it should be something that you are diligent about for women who are uh, financially uh, not in the position where they have insurance and you're on uh, Medicare or you are on some type of assistance. The good news is you can go into a clinic and you can get that mammogram. So please do not let the fact that you don't have health insurance or other things be a deterrent because there are organizations like the AKs of who I'm a part of, Alcap Alpha. We have a mobile unit, and I'm sure some of the other sororities do too. There's the Susan Coleman. So there are resources, ladies, just like, um, you know, uh, you saw Tanya where Glenn Eiffel's getting a stamp, and Glenn Eiffel died, of course, from ovar- uh, uterine cancer. I'm sorry. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uterine cancer, similar to breast cancer in the guard, that it's one of those cancers that if you're getting your pap smears regular, and if you're diligent about your checkups, no woman should die from uterine cancer. Unless in the case of like when it was caught late and it was diagnosed and it was too late for her to beat it. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm saying this, ladies, because I know that we all get busy. We get caught up and we're like, oh, I'm fine. But you might not be fine. And as Tanya has said, pain, pain is an indicator that there's a problem. And it's and you 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 probably are in some type of stages of cancer by the time they detect it if you're in pain. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's not let it get to that stage. Tanya, what I want to talk about next, I think is the most important part of this. We've gone through statistics. You've told us a little bit of your story. What I want to know is how does having breast cancer change your life in the sense of being a wife, a mom, a friend, a sister, a daughter? How do you mentally stay in the game and and tell me about your support system? Just kind of walk us through your journey of how it changed your life and, you know, how you came out on the other side, I guess, is the right answer. Right question, rather. And and also adding to that, that I was active duty in the military. And when I was diagnosed the first time, as I mentioned, I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want people to know because I didn't want this to be seen as a victim. Mm-hmm. At the at the onset, my first concern was always my family. I knew that if I was strong, that they would be strong as well. And I have a solid, solid, solid faith in God. And because I so believe, I also believe that 
we we come into this world and we come into this world born, born to die. So it's already determined how we are going to die. I also knew that God did not give me cancer for me to be quiet mm-hmm. and not share my story to help other women, to include caregivers and to those that are left behind when someone actually dies from breast cancer. And my family has been with me throughout this entire journey. They never treated me any differently and I didn't allow them to treat me any differently. I didn't say, I I told them, I am not a victim. I am still your sister. I'm still your wife. I'm still your mother. And I did, but I did always accept prayers and food. Well, I tell you what, prayers and food, you can't beat them, right? No. <laughs> so, but, 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 but let's get real. Let's dig into what you call the real. I like that phrase. Um, tell us what it was like, what you dealt with you as a woman. You know, our breasts are everything to us. They, I mean, not everything, but they're important. Uh, they, yeah. they make up a lot of our identity, how we see ourselves as sexual beings as uh you know uh sensual beings um and you were uh still a young woman when this happened to you both times so mm-hmm. uh, n- not that we're old now girl we just did midlife <laughs> but um that look let, let's be honest you're, you're married you have a family you have all these things tell, tell us about what that was like what you dealt with emotionally how'd you how'd you get through that that was the hard part the first thing when I was diagnosed in 2005 and the doctor said, Miss Thompson, we're going to have to take all of your tissue, your nipples and your skin. You're going to be flat chested. The first thing, and this is no lie. The first thing I said, doctor, how are you telling a 42 year old woman who's still trying to get her groove on that she about to lose her brat, her rack? She just started laughing. So I immediately went for reconstruction. And one of the things I said, I do not want to look, I want to stay the same. I want to look the same. I still want to be, like you said, that sensual being. So when, when they, and the thing is, it wasn't, I was afraid of the breast cancer, but I was afraid of how I was going to be viewed as well. Because as women, when we have a certain statue, that's how people look at us. And I wanted to still be that sensual being. And like I mentioned, I immediately went for reconstruction. That, that actually went fine. It was actually the second breast cancer when I started losing my hair. And I found try to find things to make me look more like a woman as well you know as it related to makeup and prosthetics and wigs and for me that was paramount Mm. not in thinking of not having those things or the ability to pay for those things the ability is some individuals don't even have the medical insurance Mm -hmm. to pay for prosthesis to pay for a reconstruction depending on what type of medical insurance that they have 
So me being able to have the ability to do those things and to have those things in place lessened the fear, lessened the anxiety, lessened the depression as I didn't have to add those things on top of having to go through radiation, having to go through chemotherapy. Let me ask you this. In the five minutes we have left, what I, I like to... Um... I like I believe in giving people uh, what I call life tips, you know, how that the how to uh, what advice would you give to husbands with wives of cancer, breast cancer in particular, uh, or or significant others, boyfriends, etc. Uh, or in the case of your kids, like how tell tell family members how do you help mom get through breast cancer? How, husband, how do you help your woman still feel sexual and sensual? And then, you know, give some tips to women who might have a husband who has breast cancer or, you know, anybody that's caring for somebody with breast cancer. What would you get? Well, give us some tips on how to do this the right way. The first thing I would say is listen to whomever it is that has breast cancer. Men, do not leave your significant other because they have breast cancer because you do not feel that you can deal with it. Stop it there was- for a moment. Put a pin in that because, folks, that happens. Mm. I know people it's happened to. Tanya knows people it's happened to. Yes. It is probably the cruelest thing you can do to any human being who's sick. Yes. You know, when you take wedding vows, you take in sickness and in health, you have to mean that. And I think the the, the under-conversation to that that we don't have is the value placed on a woman's breast and mm-hmm. not that woman. It's just like a woman's ovaries. When I found that I wasn't going to be able to have children, uh, I was in a serious relationship. I was engaged, and I never forget, he, he bailed out. Um, and mm-hmm. that just compounded already devastating news. It was somehow I stopped being a person because my ovaries didn't work anymore. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit about help the significant other, the husband, the wife, if it's the husband, whatever, understand that that's not the case. Walk us through that. You know, when I think about someone not understanding that, like you say, you take these vows and you take these vows to love, to cherish through sickness and through health. And that person that's being diagnosed is already dealing with devastation, dealing with the disease that most individuals see as a death sentence. That's what I thought it was a death sentence. I'm so fortunate that I had a husband or still don't have a husband that stood with me next to me through it all through the chemo, through the radiation, through the surgery. And I would say, if you truly, truly love the person that you're with, then this is just a hiccup in that relationship. Our relationship actually got stronger. I was going to ask that. we, we, We had a bond and that bond, not only with God, but with ourselves because we truly respected each other we truly appreciated each other and he might feel was like how would I leave the the woman the of 
my wife who has my two sons how would how could i leave how could i face my family knowing that i left the person that i made these vows with and i truly believe that is the only thing that has helped me through all of this now let's talk about the hard part uh, now talk about kids and how do kids particularly if they're young kids deal with this because the first thing a child thinks is frightened mommy's going to leave mommy's going to die or teenagers give give advice i don't know what age your sons were when this was happening but give kids advice on how can they support mom and how can mom support the family emotionally when she's struggling herself we sat down and told the kids and because mine was detected early the first thing i said mommy is here daddy is here if you ever have any questions please please just let us know and it's so funny because i even asked my kids like a year or so later i said how did you all deal with that they said well because you told us and you you told us that you wasn't going to die that's how come that's how we were able to get through it and just being just listening to them and understanding when they are getting angry or when they are fearful understanding what that looks like and that it may be because you need to have additional conversations with them and we kept them involved through the entire process we told them the truth and that's and i think that's what happens a lot of time we don't think our children can handle these hard conversations but in actuality they can because a lot of times they're listening to other individuals and if they don't get it from you they're going to get it from someone else so you want to tell them and have that security in knowing that mom and dad is there no matter what and again having that faith in god and understanding and learning how to pray that's the biggest thing i would constantly say thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus and that would help me but then that helped them too to know that i had that foundation in god well i tell you what i think that's great advice now let's let's deal with again this podcast is about everything america again american culture american families american politics American race relations, American women, how we do everything here in America. What what advice uh, would you give uh, to women um, about how they will feel about themselves? Because one of the things you said that struck me and made me sad, frankly, is that you didn't feel like you could tell anybody because you didn't want to be less than in the military or otherwise. Tell us a little bit about your foundation because I suspect that's why you started it to help women in the military. Am I correct? I did. And and the th- and the reason I started is because in the military, believe it or not, women are diagnosed at a higher rate. The only difference is, is that we have access to care. But even with that, there are women who are still afraid of that diagnosis. And when they receive that diagnosis, I've heard so many women who who just frail, they just fall apart. And a lot of it, I think, from my perspective, because I was looking for something, I could not find it. I wanted to know what it looked like. So along with my foundation is giving an understanding to what the diagnosis is and what the diagnosis is not. And 
when I was diagnosed the first time, I said, oh, I never have to worry about getting breast cancer again because they've taken all of my tissue. Well, that's not, that's a myth. Well, I tell you what, in the, as we're winding down, um, first, I want to say to you that you are a brave woman and I am happy to call you friend because it's not easy to have to face your mortality one time, but to face it twice to, uh, do you have a, did you lose your breast, Tanya? Do you have them? What was the condition? Tanya? Hello? I have silicone. I have silicone on the right side, and I had a trans flap on the left side. Okay. So I have uneven breasts. Okay. Well, it doesn't look like it. And I've seen you many times, and I've seen you in cute outfits and cute dresses at Christmas and at my Christmas party, and you look great. So <laughs> thank you, thank you. you what, uh, but as I was saying, as we wind down. Um, I just wanted to give you your kudos and say I'm excited about your book. I'm excited about pushing this podcast out. People listening, forgive us for the two glitches we had in the very beginning and here at the end where we lost our guest for a few seconds, but she recovered and she's here and we've had a good dialogue. Make sure that you're learning the information. Read books about this. Read Tanya's book. Again, Tanya, what's the title of your new book? what to expect when you weren't expecting breast cancer. That's such a great, because I assume what you're going to do is give women advice on how to deal with the unexpected, correct? Yes, my pearls of wisdom. Very good. And you're going to give them, as you call the real, which is what it's really like. What it's really like in picture format and in color. Okay. So is there anything else you'd like to say to women uh, dealing with this women who've lost loved ones what what talk, let, let's talk a moment as we wind down to those people those the, the young women who've lost moms grandmoms aunts etc husbands that have lost wives how do they how do they move forward what can they do uh, what what what's cathartic what what do you what can they do to heal and to so their loved ones fight doesn't go in vain what I'm finding that what individuals are doing are finding ways to support one other women and then to participate in breast cancer runs, breast cancer walks, making donations, volunteering as it relates to going to and sitting with women who's going through chemotherapy. Individuals are finding ways to give back to their community, give back to the things, one thing that has been lost and that is that loved one from breast cancer there's groups out there that will come and clean your home there's groups that are out there that will Major, do your right? shopping yes yeah i tell you what folks you know what our sister here is saying is this it all comes down to that all powerful word i talk about all the time that connection that connectivity yes. none of us gets through this life alone none of us gets through the things that we go through the inevitable storms the inevitable challenges the inevitable grieving and losses we need each other and so as we end uh breast cancer awareness month this october every october 
It's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And I would argue that your mental health has a lot to do with your physical health and how you mm-hmm. how you fare, uh, whether it's with breast cancer, heart disease, any other uh, diabetes, hypertension, you name it. Your, your mental wellness, your connectivity to others is so important to your ability to thrive. And so, Tanya, I just thank you for what you're doing to help uh, women in the military and help those in the military who might get breast cancer and for your give back. Um, you have a great family. You have a great husband, a great family. And I just really, um, you guys are an example in our community here in Virginia. And just thank you for coming on the podcast. And it's the first time I've done something like this. It's usually politics and policy, <laughs> and, you know, impeachment, and we're mixing it up. But this was a welcome break. And I, I know that this show is going to be very popular. So thank you. Well, thank you, Sophia. I really appreciate you thinking of me. All right, my dear. God bless you. God bless you too.